Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Learning Exchange. Uh, This episode, we're going to talk all about half-life of skills. Now, if you don't quite know what I mean by that, don't worry. We're going to dig into it really quickly. But before we do that, I would like to welcome back to the podcast, Karen Klim, our Director of Talent Development at Skooks. Thank you for coming back and playing, Karen. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Me too. I uh, what the, the way our, our conversations usually come about is we have some sort of an exchange over a work project or in a meeting, and then that spawns an idea and we bring it here. So um, really excited. We, we were on a, a meeting with one of our learning partners at last couple of weeks. And in that conversation, they dropped a statistic about the half-life of skills. And um, for those of you listening, it was really it's really fascinating that both Karen and I in the same moment went, huh, <laughs> like that makes sense, right? Like it's not, it, it, as you dig deeper, you go, well, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't seem like it's new information, but the way it was packaged was very um, powerful <laughs> and open this conversation. So um, we'll just get right into it. Uh, so as we think about this topic of skills, They've really been at the center of the discussion in learning and development and HR communities heavily over the last 12 to 18 months. And um, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, businesses went into shock of how do we navigate, how do we just figure out how to like stabilize right now. And then as the pandemic went on and we started figuring out how we might attempt this return to, to work, return to uh, normalcy, I guess we'll call it. Mm-hmm. it it became really clear to a lot of companies that their old way of developing talent and nurturing the learning activities wasn't sufficient because they had been in this sort of firefighting mode without a lot of cohesive strategy that was anchored in skills that would allow them to be a bit more uh, proactive in the approach. And then as that realization started to happen everywhere, we started hearing everywhere you turned, it was upskilling and reskilling and rapid return to work. And Right, like that, that opens this conversation in some interesting ways. And this will continue to be a topic for years to come. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the more that we dig in and really research how to make the best use of our time spent when we strategize about how to build learning activities and learning interventions to help our companies navigate all of the change, the more we learn. Mm-hmm. And um, to kind of open really the exchange and the dialogue, fun fact, everybody, did you know that skills actually have a half-life? <laughs> and I, I find that I find that term so fascinating. So a half-life refers to the period of time a skill is innovated, flourished, and then becomes irrelevant. And research suggests that skills generally have a half-life of about five years. With more technical skills, it's just two and a half years. I found that 
statistic just mind-blowing, but it makes a lot of sense. So the short shelf life of skills means that we have to continue to refine our skilling efforts to stay relevant. I mean, if you only have five years or two and a half, that means you always need to continue learning. So Matthew, can you think of some examples of skills that maybe you've learned or that you can think of in the past five years that are no longer relevant? Um, that's a pretty long list. The, <laughs> like the, the more like the, the more we talk about this topic, the more I realize that pretty much everything that we have learned in the last five years needs updating. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's about <laughs> in like it right in just day-to-day conversations, I think about presentation skills, mm-hmm. um, uh, right? We, five years ago, everything we were doing presentation-wise was geared for this in-person experience, which is a very different motion than virtual. Mm-hmm. And then two and a half years ago, we started picking up steam with virtual, even 18 months ago, it was really, right? We hit pedal to the metal um, with virtual. And now we have a lot of places that are experiencing hybrid. Mm-hmm. So even within the last 18 months, Presentation skills is an example of a skill that really has required us to hone and refine and stay um, on top of it. And on that same, I was going to say on that same vein, even meetings, I mean, in general, how we conduct, I mean, here at Skooks, we, you know, aren't coming to one room, we're, we're virtual. So how we engage one another and make sure everyone's comprehending what we're talking about. It's the same thing. So some companies are now going back to that hybrid workforce. So they're doing a little bit of um, Zoom or team meetings plus in-person meetings. And sometimes at the same time, because you have some people in the office while others are still uh, working from home. So it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, I I hear it with our customers all the time, Um, entire teams that are making decisions about how they navigate meetings. Um, One of our customers actually instituted a policy that was an all or nothing. If everyone can't be in the room, then we only do it virtually so that we don't end up excluding people or neglecting people um, because we just haven't built the muscle memory yet to do this with um, second nature. Yeah. Software skills. Um, I, I work with a lot of different software on a day-to-day basis, whether it's uh, creative software like the Adobe Creative Suite, whether it's Office productivity like Microsoft Office. Um, and something that's been interesting over the last, really, I think two to three years is I have seen almost all software move to this cloud-based um, subscription model. Right? Mm-hmm. It used to be you buy a license to Photoshop and you have that version. <laughs> and that version is your version and any updates you need them you need to pay for it microsoft office you buy right you buy office 2010 and then when office 2012 comes out you go hmm got to buy that one now yeah and so a lot of times you ended up with people that were running on various versions and i know my version and not the next one right and now with all of these software providers moving into the subscription model you start to get always on updates so i'm always the latest and greatest version, which means I'm always having to learn how to take the new features and functions and apply them and work them in. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. Even, even jobs have changed in the oh. last several years. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, whether it's a, a software developer or a learning and development professional, I think, uh, I think about 
training is a very good place we could have a conversation. Our audience should should um, connect to it pretty well. <laughs> but I think about instructional designers. Um, mm-hmm. If we think about that shift from in-person to virtual to hybrid, considering our synchronous, synchronous and asynchronous interactions, mm-hmm. um, we have to think about so many things differently. I think about the, um, let's say five years ago, where companies still had a healthy amount of training job titles. Mm-hmm. And two and a half years ago, it, right? If we go in that kind of slicing two and a half years ago, we saw a lot more talent development titles than training titles. And talent development brings with it a broader scope. It brings a different need for skills and knowledge. And so a lot of people have sort of evolved in that journey. They were a trainer. And then they became a learning and development specialist. And then they became a talent development specialist, Mm -hmm. uh, having to pack on those extra skills. And also no longer, I mean, we, we still have HR, but we start to hear more about people and culture. That's also becoming um, more prevalent as well. Um, And, you know, as we think about the skills, do those skills change? They can. And, you know, what we focus on can require some, upskilling as we as we go through it. So get this, four years ago, a report from the World Economics Forum found that an estimated 35% of all skills needed for jobs across industries have changed. That's a lot. Are you surprised? <laughs> that I, it's, I'm not surprised if I really sit with it, but it's, a, it's just jarring to hear, um, right? It sounds like a lot, but that completely supports this idea that we need to be constantly focused on this reskilling motion, continuous learning, and trying to stay on top of what's relevant for what we do and our jobs and what's coming next for our employees. Um, I don't I don't think we're in a place any longer where you go get a degree, you go to work, and then learning is done. I think right businesses are evolving, the world is evolving. And with all this constant innovation, with the way businesses are shifting their models around uh, technology and continuing to innovate at the speed of light, we've got to, we have to stay focused on constantly staying relevant, focusing on the skills we need, identifying what's next um, so that we stay relevant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in October 2020, Chief Learning, Chief Learning Officer Magazine article stated that Business leaders and learners need a completely new model for thinking about skills, which fosters thinking about these skills in three emerging questions. The first one is, are skills more durable or more perishable? So let me explain a little bit what that means. So they define perishable skills as a specific technology policy or process that are updated frequently. Semi-durable skills are frameworks with base knowledge from which a field specific which a field specific technologies, processes, or tools arise. An example of this in our field would be adding. And lastly, durable skills are a base layer of mindsets and dispositions such as project management practices. So that's the first question. You have to think about are they more durable or perishable? The second question is. Are skills transferable across roles, job families, or industries? And the third question to think about are, are skills in demand and will they be in the future? I am 
Yeah, I really love this idea of thinking about skills as durable and mm-hmm. perishable as opposed to um, the hard skills and soft skills, mm-hmm. right? Like I still think there is validity to the conversation around hard skills and soft skills. Um, they help us really put an attribute that allows us to bucket the types of skills. But when you add to that, this notion of perishable, semi-perishable and durable, it really does help us connect to the half-life, like really just understanding, okay, that's a soft skill that is likely going to be durable. Um, That's a technical skill that's likely going to be semi-durable. And that's maybe another soft skill that might be very perishable Mm -hmm. and uh, helps us really think about how much or how little to put into the things we're doing to develop it. Um, Trying to make sure we, we keep the flexibility Mm-hmm. alive um because we we certainly are no stranger in l d to change um right we are no stranger to changing on a dime um i i think i lost count after the 30th time it happened to me in my career where somebody came to me and said hey hey fire fire go do this right now drop everything else you got going yep uh right like spin up a training course right now you get like a day to turn it around and um you know, we just or if you're in person or virtual and you're facilitating, there's no way to know what other people are going to bring to the conversation. Sure. Um, so you kind of have to be really prepared to, to pivot at any moment. And I think uh, we don't always apply that same mindset when we think about the skills conversation, but we should, we really should. And this, uh, this discussion is helping to really open uh, hopefully the, the conversation for a lot of people at their companies about let's, let's rethink um, do we know which of our skills are durable? Do we know which mm-hmm. of our skills maybe are perishable and how, how are we approaching that in our strategy? Yeah. And I think too, thinking about where do these fit within across the organization? Are, are these skills uh, transferable? Are we allowing our employees to um, have that mobility so that, you know, if they learn one skill for one job, will it help transfer them to another part of the organization so that we continue to grow them and, you know, we're not losing employees, but we're help um, helping them gain knowledge so that they can continue to grow their career within the organization. Like um, when, when you can start to think about skills in that way, um, the career pathing conversation is completely different. Right. It allows us to take away that mindset that says you are in this position and your progression is to the senior version of that position sure. and the manager of that position and then the director of that position. <laughs> um, those those days are gone. Um, mm-hmm. The way that organizations can navigate change, the companies that came through the chaos of 2020 and thrived were those who really understood and figured out how to reevaluate mm-hmm. how they were approaching this conversation and looking at where can I get more value? How can I keep the conversation and the experience for the employee fresh? Mm-hmm. Um, not every employee wants to go up. Some employees want to stay right where they are. Some want to go sideways and explore mm-hmm. creative opportunities and skills is that common thread. And um, right by continuing to, to, keep the focus on freshening the skills and really evaluating the durability of mm-hmm. skills can go a long way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when we're thinking about the needs of the organization, 
Will the skill initiative that you are launching provide mobility within your organization? It's a very good question to ask mm-hmm. yourself and to ask your company's leadership. Um, open the conversation to really ask, how long do we think those skills are going to matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that none of us have a crystal ball, uh, <laughs> right? Like mine is kind of foggy at best. So I, I try not to predict what's going to happen more than a year or two years from now. Um, if I learned anything from last year, it is right. that nothing is certain and everything can change. Yep. Uh, and there'll but, be lots of pivots. <laughs> oh, lots of pivots, lots of pivots. Living in a friend's episode there. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pivot. Pivot. <laughs> So I think the the key takeaway message here, a couple of thoughts come to mind. One is really, we should always be asking ourselves, are we limiting our own employees' growth within the company and setting them up for success Mm -hmm. Um, by by thinking about skills the way we thought about them yesterday? Uh, With that, we should always consider the types of skills we're focusing on today and really put some energy toward evaluating what's the half-life that those skills might have in the future. Which ones do we think might make it five years? Which one do we think might make it two and a half? Um, And I would say also, don't focus on just one type of skill. So going back to that, um, the three types. So thinking about there are perishable, semi-durable and durable. So this can limit uh, our team members growth within the organization and how durable they can be when things do change. As of course we know they will change. If again going yes, back to last year, <laughs> <laughs> they will change. Yes, um, and I think the you know like a closing thought. Really think about training from the base layer up. Mm-hmm. Start with putting some emphasis on fostering growth in the durable skills. Uh, right, those things we know we're going to be able to get a little bit more life out of. Put a lot more energy there to build a strong base. Mm-hmm. Um, And then look for areas where we might be able to have more impact on changing mindsets, layer on top of that, maybe the semi-durable skills, and then on top of that, put the perishable skills. And that creates a really good experience, rounds out your team members in a great way. They can become more adaptable because we've helped them, I think, better understand how to anchor and and trust. These are the skills that I expect are going to have. They won't change a lot over the next five years. These are the things that are likely to change in two, three, four years. And these are the things that may change every day. Mm-hmm. Um, helps them better situate their mind um, so they can engage in the right ways. I agree. It's a good conversation. Yeah. Um, I am really, really, really glad you were willing to join me today. Oh, thank uh, you. I look forward to having you back many more times. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, for those of you listening, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hope there was value added and uh, look forward to uh, bringing you another episode next week. <laughs>